0: Welcome to another episode of the Silk and Steel podcast. I'm your host, Carl Tha. Uh, actually, I should say hello and Happy New Year. It is now January 2nd, 2021 on Bali, and it's already uh, January 1st in other parts of the world. I, first, I would like to welcome back to our show um, a returning guest, a very popular guest, uh, Mr. T. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Uh, good
1: to good to be on here again, uh, Carl. And thanks so much for having me again.
0: Yeah, it's been a couple months since we talked, and I I must say you are one of the most popular guests on the show. There's always some something exciting to talk about uh, whenever you are on, and and today we're going to talk about two topics. So one is the the cover up of the COVID response in Washington. We kind of briefly. Um, talk about this in terms of uh, Trump's uh, national security advisor, Matt Pottinger's role in our second podcast together. But there are some new details that just emerged um, that I know you would like to talk about. And for the second half of our show, we would like to talk about Another related issue, which is the incoming Biden administration's China policy. Let's talk about the prospect and the outlooks. Shall we just uh, dive into the COVID cover-up story? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, maybe uh, you can give our audience, uh, for for people who haven't listened to our second episode together, about, uh, you know, kind of nefarious role. Matt Pottinger play criminally mishandling the U.S. COVID response. Can you just uh, give a brief outline of what we talked about previously and then we'll just go right into it.
1: Matt Pottinger and uh, Robert O'Brien, who is Matt
0: Pottinger is the Deputy National Security
1: uh, Advisor uh, today. And uh, what that basically means is he's the number two on the National Security Council, which is a uh, which is like a, an, a White House uh, organization, uh, institution that's a, that's, a, that's a part of US government since 1947. And it's basically a policy planning committee. Um, and you know, Matt's the number two there. He has a focus on China. Um, and uh, he's a very, he's a noted China hawk. Um, very, very hawkish. He was uh, punched in the face by, uh, while well, he was a reporter for the Wall Street Journal-, Journal many years ago, he actually was punched in the face by uh, Chinese uh, state security agents, uh, while he was attempting to uh, stalk, basically uh, an Iranian delegation and a Chinese delegation as they made their way around uh, Beijing, uh, att- trying to negotiate uh, a military a military deal. Um, so, so basically, he's like, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's confirmed like to be an intelligence agent himself, but he's definitely. You know somebody who, who orbits in that area and later on he went into afghanistan where he was involved in military intelligence and uh, then he became he went into uh, the white house uh, nsc um first as the asia specialist and later as the number two
0: ottinger's uh, whole career you know starting from uh, reporting uh, as a reporter for wall street journal and then um, working the army intelligence in afghanistan and then uh you know, national security advisor to the white house, it seems like he was groomed almost, you know, like his, his career path is just like, uh, what's the other guy, Uh, Pete Buttingig, right? I mean, he has no background in, in military, you know, he joined, um, well, he joined the Marines right now. Yeah. He joined the Marines uh, from being a Wall Street Journal reporter that then he was, um, he co authored some in, Intelligence uh, paper with uh, then General Flint, Flint, right? Yeah, so he was a ca- he was just an 03, He was just a captain
1: uh, in in a in a G two capacity in the military intelligence capacity, and he was publishing papers with uh, a, a, a general, which is actually very atypical. For like the the military, it's like very atypical for somebody to reach down like six ranks, basically, or like five rank levels and like grab someone to like go and like co-publish stuff with him. But that's essentially what Pottinger did. Or
0: Flynn did, I'm sorry. And I also heard, uh, you know, among the China watcher circles uh, uh, that that Pottinger is known for being uh, a bit of a zealot, right? Like he's he's a super China hawk and... There,
1: there, there's been like, so I first heard about Pottinger
0: in you know, call it
1: like Obama one. Uh, so the first Obama term. Um, and uh, I heard about him in China from somebody else who's also plugged into the kind of like China. You could think of him as like a China watcher. And that guy basically called Pottinger a, a, like a sanctimonious asshole. and and this was before you know like matt had any role in policy this was just based on matt's like uh matt's uh what many people in the china expat circle knew about matt uh and knew of him during his time as a reporter for the wall street journal (laughs) so uh so so he's been he's been orbiting around that circle for a while and his reputation is pretty uh, precedes him so to speak
0: it's, it seems like he his whole well other than his stint in afghanistan his uh, whole career is very uh, china centered right and then like when he finally made his way into the white house his uh, it, he basically led the kind of the anti china crusade in from Washington, uh, so much so that he, uh, when when the COVID first broke out, uh, you know, reported in China, he, instead of uh, taking measures to, to prevent, do some preventive measures in United States, he turned that into like an anti-China crusade, right? Cause like some kind of, uh, well, I, I would, I would,
1: I would caveat that right now, now, People who defend him, and there's a long article out there now that you know defends him quite heavily, called the Plague Year. Uh, people who defend him will say that you know he proposed a travel ban from China, right? Like the February first travel ban, and that was like his doing, um, and that that was his, that was his effort. But I would say that most people thought most, and now we realize with the benefit of hindsight. But even most people then, including his own brother. Uh, who's actually an infectious diseases specialist at the University of Washington. And that that's significant for other reasons. We'll get to that later. But his own brother, who's a specialist in this field, thought that that was a bad idea and told him at that time that it would not be that effective. But Pottinger just latched on to that idea anyways. And just, you know, it was his baby, he pushed it all the way through. And then, uh, and, and he tries, he, he tries using that as like, saying like, look, look at me, I was like early on the COVID thing, like well before anyone else thought it was a problem, like I was on it. And, and it misses the fact that he basically biased the whole policymaking apparatus away from, you know, mass test and trace, presuming that, you know, his ban was you know, so airtight, and, you know, waterproof that it would protect the United States for many, many, many weeks longer than it actually did. And now with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, with like serologic testing, we actually know that the U.S. had COVID as early as mid December uh, of 2019. So we know that like his band was it was like bolting together the barn door like two months after the horse had already escaped. Um, it was like basically useless.
0: Actually, I read the article you mentioned, the play gear, uh, which is getting a lot of play. Uh, at least. You know in, in on social media I, I see a lot of retweets on Twitter uh, when I read it it seems like uh, it's a piece that mad Pottinger himself commissioned to cover his own ass in this whole mm-hmm. fiasco
1: it is the most like it's 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 about as realistic as the score in a round like actually I'll, I'll back I'll, I'll use two analogies to describe this right first like it it reminded me of the score in a round of golf with Kim Jong-il Right, you know, like Kim Jong Il plays around golf. Everybody says like, oh yeah, it's a hole in one. It's a hole in one. It's a hole in one. You know, and and that's that's kind of what this article reminded me of. Except replace Kim Jong Il with Matt Pottinger. And the second one is that you know, like how much Pottinger is mentioned inside this article? There are fifty-seven mentions of the word Pottinger in this article, and and there's actually only twenty-seven mentions of like Fauci, like Doctor the Fauci and Doctor Fauci. Like, for an article that's about the play gear and supposed to be an overview of, like, America's COVID response, it's kind of bizarre that that that's, like, the ratio, right? It really kind of shows you who's,
0: who's basically commissioned this piece. Okay, so let's maybe first we should start by actually talking about what Matt Pottinger actually did. Um, when he was leading the COVID response team from White House, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about you know his cover up attempt. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what did Matt Pottinger do? And
1: it's great, by the way, that the Plague Gear article came out in one respect, which is that uh, a lot of the things that you know you, uh, you and I talked about on the last show about Pottinger, you know, sort of you know coordinating things, but which would, which were just hinted at, have now been you know, laid out in the open in a fairly, like, clear way, right? So, so you know, both the Plague Your article and other articles have indicated that Matt Pottinger and Robert O'Brien ran America's initial COVID response from January, uh, mid-January, to at least January 31st. And then fall- between January 31st and February 25th, uh, Matt Pottinger chaired the interagency uh, COVID task force, even though a uh, health secretary Alex Azar was essentially the titular figurehead on that committee. Uh, Matt Pottinger was actually the person chairing all the meetings. So he was basically the man behind the curtain running things. Um, so this so this in and of itself is pretty damning because uh, basically Matt Pottinger failed. <laughs> For lack of a better term, he, uh, he, he, he fucked up. He, uh, he let COVID spread out of control in the United States. His strategy was ineffective. Uh, and if he had just simply done what the Obama administration told him to do uh, and left him to do in their pandemic playbook, uh, he possibly could have saved up to three hundred to 350,000 American lives. Um, and that is because South Korea did what the Obama administration did. And South Korea has about 18, maybe 20 deaths per million from COVID. The U.S. has about 1,000 deaths per million per co- per co- from COVID. So uh, literally 90, 98% of America's COVID outbreak could have been eliminated if Matt Pottinger had simply decided to you know, ditch his moral zealotry on China, stop just using COVID as an opportunity to sell a travel ban and like, drive a wedge between
0: US and China. I must interrupt you for a yeah. second. You know, According to you know, Matt Pottinger himself you know, and his leak to the, to the Washington press... It was all China's fault because because, you know, obviously China was withhelding information in the crucial well, early days. If
1: it was China's fault, how did how did South Korea and like Germany and other a whole bunch of other countries do better than the U.S.? But,
0: you know, but but, you know, China was withholding all this information and they, they, they criminally mishandled the COVID response so bad that. You know, U.S. was just scrambling to, to catch up because, you know, we, we didn't, we, you know, China, for example, they they didn't, um, weren't forthright with uh, WHO about the infectious nature of, of the human to human transmission of COVID. So, you know, that that's why U.S. was caught uh, off guard. I mean, that's a narrative that was being pushed in the in the u.s media since april basically (laughs) till now you know you still you will you still read articles with headline yeah from new york times about you know how the early uh china how china fucked up the early covid response even in december right that I, i think it's that article is
1: like deeply uncharitable and we'll get to we'll get to the reasons around that later but like uh but Pottinger has been pushing that narrative mainly to draw attention away from his own failings. A and then B, you know, China compared to like what how Pottinger did it, like China's response was like infinitely more effective, and they were flying blind. Like let's not forget that when China was dealing with COVID, people didn't even know uh, what the R not like the infectivity ratio, or people did not know what the incubation period of the virus was. And if you don't have those two pieces of data, you actually cannot model uh, how the virus responds to things like lockdowns or things like mask wearing or things like social distancing. You just kind of have to guess.
0: Uh, but OK, so but Matt Pottinger, who is in charge of the COVID uh, early response task force, I mean, he's, he doesn't have the a background in microbiology or virology, right? I oh, mean, how- oh, which is. Which is like problem number one. Which is like, why do you put like
1: a national security specialist in charge of something that requires that kind of expertise?
0: Oh, that's a fair point. But we we know Trump administration is fairly dysfunctional, right? <laughs> Surely it's not the fault of Pottinger to be put in that position when he doesn't have necessarily have. No, he didn't, he wasn't put in that position. He volunteered for it. Oh,
1: so one of the one of the articles that like I've you know repeat returned to again and again. Is that in January 2020, uh O'Brien, uh Robert O'Brien, Pottinger's boss, the national NSC advisor, and then Pottinger himself, uh volunteered for uh, leading the White House pandemic response because they understood this was the NSC's moment to repair its damaged reputation uh from uh what uh from what John Bolton had done to it. Right. So this was like they are like, oh, John Bolton, this was right after John Bolton left as the NSC advisor. So they are like, uh, the new guy comes in, kind of wants, uh, specifically O'Brien, thinks wants, he wants to do a good job. He asks Pottinger, what can we do that would be like, you know, an easy win for us, right? And Pottinger is like, uh, let's just go do, let's go, uh, let's go like just do a whole bunch of national security stuff around COVID because we're pretty sure COVID is going to mess up China pretty badly. Let's put a big travel ban around China. Let's like, and and then let's do like all that stuff and it'll be an easy win for us. And that was literally how they got started. And
0: also he uh, didn't, Pottinger also coined the phrase Wuhan virus and put. He did. Yeah, he did. So by the way, that was like many months later. That was in March.
1: So after Pottinger knows he's totally screwed the pooch, uh, there are some things going on then uh, that, that, uh, between the U.S. and China that he wanted to disrupt. Uh, he decides to coin the term Wuhan virus and get Trump to push it out in order to A, shift the blame back onto China uh, for his own failings. And then B, uh, you know, also make sure that China and the U.S. could like to, to throw sand in the gears. On cooperation between China and the U.S. in tackling the pandemic. Okay,
0: but let's go back to the you know late January, early February, February when Pottinger is in charge. I mean, did, did he have all the information he needed to to coordinate a, a effective COVID response?
1: In in late January, uh, likely no, because in late January, China didn't either. Right. Well, no. no, no one actually, actually, no, no one had the. The R not an in incubation period for COVID was not really well established uh, in China itself. Well, China did lock down Wuhan in January. They they locked down Wuhan basically on where when there was still a considerable degree of uncertainty in the data. Yes, yes, they were making a data driven decision. It was, uh, and and this is this is based on. I, I know some people uh, who who are in the Chinese healthcare system and uh, who who are also. Uh, you know, second call it like second degree connections of people in China CDC, and they'll just say that like, look, in late January, like China really did not have like there was no statist- statistically significant estimate of R for example, in late January.
0: But they just yeah. made a call to to lock down Wuhan just in case, you know, right?
1: Yeah, just in case. It
0: was like a just in case, like
1: shit. Let's just lock it down. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, but but okay, then you know, there's an argument that you know the West. Uh, West In the Western democracy, we cannot do that. We cannot do what China did because, you know, we... we... Which is why I mean, like South Korea, like did something that
1: never locked down. South Korea just did mass test and trace. And they were still able to have a COVID outbreak that was like 150th the size of relative to the population, the size of the outbreak in the US.
0: And you mentioned that South Korea actually used a, use a pandemic uh, response uh, a, a kit, the plan, outline that was first put out by US CDC, right? Yep. In 2014,
1: Obama's CDC worked with South Korea's CDC to put together a pandemic of rep, uh, basically like a SARS-2 respiratory response, like illness response plan. And, and South Korea followed that plan. And it involved mass test and trace, uh, it involved like uh, trying to do social distancing, um, so like shutting down like between tables and restaurants. It involved like screening travel inbound travelers, uh, encouraging like home quarantines for inbound travelers, that sort of thing. And they were able to like have like a 150th, like literally an outbreak that was like 2% of the U.S. outbreak.
0: Now, okay. Now, so is it just a matter of uh, U.S. official getting caught off guard because they they just didn't foresee? No, it was
1: it. Was, it I I think that it was literally uh, it was it was hubris and incompetence. It was equal parts hubris and incompetence. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll like lay this case out in three ways. First. First, basically, the, the Plague Your Article states that the real, like, one of the moments the U.S. could have fixed, like, uh, like the reason the U.S. couldn't have done what South Korea did is because the U.S. had a flaw in man- manufacturing mass numbers of test kits. Except that was actually a known problem. That was not an unknown problem. Pottinger in the article says, oh, yeah, I just found out, like, that, you know, the CDC's test kit manufacturing facility is like a, man- a microbrewery. You know, it's not like Anheuser-Busch, like it's not going to make huge amounts of test kits. Well, that was actually known. That should have been known to Pottinger when he volunteered for the job of managing COVID back in mid-January. It shouldn't have been something that he found out like a month later, right? Like that's like actually like a, that's like for somebody, and, and this is, I will criticize him from the perspective of like an intelligence analyst, right? You're you're a military intelligence guy. You possibly were former CIA. You should be good at like correlating means and ends, like that's your job, right? And like correlating capabilities and like methods and that sort of stuff. And for you to like miss that basic point in your strategic planning process, like demonstrates like just incompetence.
0: You're just bad at your job. Personal anecdote: uh, I, I just add a little bit personal family uh, story into this. My sister, uh, my my niece came down with sickness after my sister hosted Super Bowl party uh, so early February. And by mid-February, mid, mid February, my niece was very sick. And my sister uh, got my niece to the hospital. She got a negative test result for flu. So my, my sister started panicking and she wanted to test my niece for COVID. But she ran into all the bureaucratic uh, hurdles hitting her uh, head uh, on every red tape just to get my niece tested and in the end they told her no uh, you know first she went to the hospital hospital says we don't we don't do the test you have to contact the government uh, department uh, health department she contacted state department uh, state health department they say go go to county uh, uh, health department so and and the county county health department finally told her, like, we will not test your daughter because she does not qualify for the criteria laid out for the CDC. A, she's not, uh, she did not have the recent travel history to Wuhan. B, she did not, uh, she needs to come in contact with a known case of of COVID patient. And now we know the reason my niece couldn't get tested in mid-February is because CDC has you know all these faulty test kits; they don't have enough, so that's why they kept to to address this issue. They made a very stringent uh, guideline so to make sure people are not getting tested.
1: Oh yeah. Uh. So your niece is experienced there. Uh, was actually symptomatic of a broader res- U.S. imposed restriction on testing during that time frame, and it was because the CDC and Health Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, acting on recommendations from the task force itself, barred non-CDC entities from conducting tests until February 25th uh, in the United States. So when was this for your niece? Was this early Feb? It's uh, February 16th. Yep. February oh, 16th. Yep. Yeah, that fits the timeline. And by the way, Pottinger could not have not known, by the way, that the U.S. could have, like the The tragedy is the U.S. had the capacity to start doing testing from other like using other test kits from both sources in the u.s and in china and from china and imported tests from china and imported tests from south korea uh by the way uh in early february somehow the u.s rejected all of those things and since pottinger was coordinating the task force meetings buck stops with him on that decision pottinger could not have not known that fact uh for two reasons first uh Paul Paul Pottinger, which is Matt's brother, works at the University of Washington Infectious Diseases like lab, where he works at the I'm sorry, the Division of Allergy and Infectious Diseases under the UW Department of Medicine. You know who else works there is a lady by the name of Helen True. So same department, uh, also also a specialist on infectious diseases. And before you sit, and the two of them know each other, like. You know, obviously, the infectious diseases department is big. You can say, oh, there's like a hundred some odd professors in there. How can they all know each other? Well, Paul and Helen True have actually collaborated on scientific papers together. They've collaborated on scientific papers that uh, uh, they've actually worked together on a scientific paper that actually is called, um, I think it's like PCR-based uh, influenza monitoring. So basically, they were using. It's it's about using tests to monitor the spread of a flu virus. Literally, like Paul Pottinger has to have known that Helen is, has this, like his his, uh, his his fellow colleague in this department has this capacity to go and do it and knows a lot about virus testing. Well, Helen at the time was actually asking anybody she 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 could repurpose her PCR testing kit to go and go and test for uh test for um for, for COVID. And we all know that Seattle was the initial, one of the initial hotspots for the U.S. And uh, the U.S. could have just done, started doing mass test, uh, tests and trace there if they had just you know, heeded Helen's advice and just let her do her thing. But somehow she was stymied. She couldn't get an emergency use authorization from the FDA. She couldn't, you know, the CDC kept blocking her, blah, 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 blah. And it is, it, I, I think the chance is basically zero that Matt did not know that this capability existed because, you know, Helen and Paul know each other. Paul was talking to Matt uh, as his brother, serving as a source of advice on a topic
0: that Matt, like, knew nothing about. And Matt was running the interagency task force. No, I'm gonna stop here for a second, uh, Mr. T, because according to the Plague Year article, Paul uh, Pottinger did talk to his brother Matt Pottinger and alerted him of seriousness in the in the US unpreparedness. According also according to the Plague article, Matt Pottinger was very concerned, right? So how do how do you how do you square that?
1: So he was he was concerned, but did Matt Pottinger actually go and fix the problem? No. I mean, he ran, he ran, he basically was the coordinator in the task force in the whole article. It just basically says, uh, Matt is concerned. Matt is concerned. That's a, and then B, it also doesn't say when Pottinger actually, uh, talked to him about the, uh, about the, about the, about the lack of test kits, right? That was actually after the, uh, section titled the lost February. You, you're right that obviously that Matt knew about the problem. And that's also my point as well. But, uh you know, you're, I think, I think it's wrong to say that, you know, Matt was actually effective in like, sol and resolving the problem. And I think that it is, that is not in a, just an innocent mistake. Because also, the second thing is that also this Chinese and South Korean test kits that the US could have gotten, uh, back in early Feb, they were rejected as well. And that decision is not a, um, that's like, not like a, like sort of a health, purely healthcare decision. That's a geopolitical and a foreign policy decision, right? And uh, and 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 it's especially it, it's very, very tragic because you know on February 10th, by the way, uh, it stated that you know they found out that the CDC made test kits were faulty. So not only could the CDC not manufacture that many kits, they were the the kits themselves are broken. They could have should have decided on a triage plan, but somehow between February 10th and February 25th, uh, when they finally lifted the ban, they're scrambling around and just shuffling papers around. And at that point, China had already offered test kits. In fact, China first did it on a government to government basis. And later on, even people like Mayun, like Jack Ma, were uh, talking to talking to the US about offering millions of masks and test kits himself. And that was an early March. I remember. So yeah, yeah, you, you remember that. And South Korea, by the way, was doing the same. And if you you can say oh by the way China is an enemy of the United States you shouldn't you know take help from them South Korea is a treaty ally, <laughs> okay they're 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 they they're supposed to be helpful to the U.S. and somehow
0: the U.S. still didn't end up with the South Korean kits either, so it's a it's very strange. Who rejected who has authority to reject uh you know importation of Chinese and Korean uh, uh PPE and and test kits?
1: I would surmise it is the nsa asia spe- or nsc asia specialist who happens to be pottinger's job title so so that's a you know that that is
0: that is you know what it is can we really blame uh you know dysfunction of u.s sist- political process and political system on one person on matt pottinger himself i mean he just he's just one person one cock in the wheel right and he just happened to be he just happened to be at the um, <laughs> at the helm, wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, right. I mean, he
1: was basically like. L- l- this is the conclusion that that to make actually. It's not. He is a deputy NSA director, so he's somebody with an enormous amount of power and influence over other federal agencies. He had a virologist wife, Yen uh who studied. Rec- by the way, recommended Deborah Burks for uh, for her job. Um, so yeah, so as uh, somebody with a lot of influence and pull an epidemiologist brother. Uh, He knew how to speak Chinese. He has China knowledge. And he had a winning pre-written playbook left for him from the last prior presidential administration. He should have beaten COVID one-handed. It should have been like, it should have been like a complete, like to use a military analogy, it should have been like, it should have been a one-sided battle. It should have been something like, something like the US invasion of Granada, right, in terms of like one-sided. In fact, he he managed you know, fuck up a winning hand, and and that is actually that's pretty damning.
0: Like what happened to you know, Helen Chu's uh, attempt to uh you know to implement the, the test trace program that was similar to South Korea. So she she was not she was not given permission to go and start doing this, and then she just went ahead and started doing it
1: herself in, on February, in late February. She got tired of waiting, and then that was when the first cluster, the first U.S. community spread cluster, was identified. And that was when like the stock market started falling.
0: And, and what did Ma- Matt Pottinger do during that time? Well, he started shifting his focus to trying to, A, push a lab leak hypothesis in Wuhan,
1: and then B, starting to try and get Trump to blame the thing on like China and, and use the term Wuhan virus.
0: When you say the, the lab leak hypothesis, it was that conspiracy theory that the the COVID was actually a man made virus leak from a, a Chinese weapon a bioweapon lab, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, not a bioweapon lab.
1: Like a Chinese uh just a virology virus research lab. Um it was re- it's a it's a lab to research and defend against viruses, not create them. And it's based in
0: one. Well, I heard it repeated by um US politicians and US senators <laughs> uh, they the college
1: that's all part of Matt's narrative
0: that's that's all part
1: of Matt's narrative actually he was the one who ran around saying that this is bioweapons so
0: i mean that it, it got a lot of uh, air view i mean not just from crazy US politician but also mainstream uh, media journalists well, this actually goes
1: to the the third this overarching meta point right which is that Matt Pottinger has been driving the narrative on the the trump narrative on COVID, that is actually the, the thing and the reason he's been driving a lot of this narrative is because uh from mid-january onwards all the meetings of the COVID task force were actually classified uh and that decision came from the national security council so it means it came from him came from that by classifying all those meetings it meant that people in it like couldn't leak to the media Without potentially being prosecuted. But if you read the Plague Gear article, the whole article is basically Matt Pottinger bitching about anybody who had the misfortune to be in a task force meeting with him. He bitches about Azar. He bitches about Redfield, the CDC director. He even bitches about Dr. Fauci as being too hesitant and data driven. Um, my God, it's literally like, it's literally, he bitches about the State Department for sending supplies to Wuhan. You know, it's like a never-ending bitch fest, and the only people like who it's it's like the Pottinger family saga. His wife, Yen Pottinger, is portrayed as some sort of all-knowing virology hero. His brother Paul, or his his wife Yen, is portrayed as an, as a hero. His brother Paul is portrayed as leading the response in Seattle and triaging patients when his name doesn't even show up on Helen Chu's paper that describes how they eventually sequenced all the pa- sequenced all the COVID patients in Seattle. So it's like a, it's it's like a complete. And oh, and by the way, Helen Chu's name doesn't even show up in this Plague Year article once, wow. right?